You're listening to Canada's Court, your home for all your Canadian basketball needs. Here's your host, Philip Drost. Well, as promised, time for today's second Canada Day episode of Canada's Court. I spoke with Naira Fields about over a month ago about her professional career and going to the Olympics for Team Canada and, of course, winning that gold medal at the Pan Am Games in Toronto. Naira, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Phil. So, uh, most importantly, uh, these days, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm an introvert, so, like, obviously, quarantine for some people has been, like, terrible. But for me, it's almost been, like, paradise because I actually don't have to have an excuse to stay home and just, like, chill. So, I'm really enjoying it right now. And uh, what's it like having uh, no basketball of any kind to watch right now? Honestly, like, when I retired, I really had peace with my decision. So, like, I've been on, like, a basketball detox because I've done it so long. So, like, it's kind of just routine now. Fair enough. Well, uh, we might as well start at the beginning. Uh, tell me about how you first got into basketball. Oh, wow. So, um, growing up, I grew up in a household of six boys and one mother. She was a single mother. And um, I was the only girl. I was one of the youngest, so as usual, I would just, like, kind of just follow my brothers around, everything to be. Um, we played every sport from, I played, actually, tackle football on my brother's team, played rugby, played soccer, did track, like, we were just a very athletic family, and, like, there was, like, a competition in the household of who can get the most rewards or awards in whatever sport they did, so, like, our our household was super competitive, and then um, uh, when I started playing football, when I was around 12, uh, 12 11, around that age, uh, I actually wanted to be the first girl in the NFL, and then that was my dream, and then kind of got shot down by my mother as, like, I got older and the guys got bigger. She was kind of just fearful of my, of my safety and my well-being, and basketball was, like, my second love, so... After that got shut down, I just committed to playing basketball at the age around 13. And then um, from there, uh, I got a lot of recognition with Team Quebec. And then I eventually played with Team Canada. So when I was playing with Team Canada, we'd travel around the world and we played teams in countries that were really good. So for me, when we played Team USA, it was like a revelation. Like, it didn't matter, like, who was on the team. They are always the best. And they were always, like the top dogs and everybody wanted to beat them so for me after playing them I had a new dream of like going to the U.S. and playing against the best of the best so at 13 um, later on that year I was playing in a tournament called March Madness it was held by the YMCA so I would go there it was a co-ed league so my brother was the my older brother he was the coach for the team I was one of two girls on the team we ended up making it to the championship game and then um there was somebody in the crowd who heard my mom. She was yelling out loudly and, like, cheering for me. We ended up losing the game, but I played really well. And then he ended up hearing my mom in the crowd, like, yelling my name and stuff like that. And uh, he knew that I had potential. He knew that I had the talent. So after the game, he went over to my mother, and he was like, your daughter is very good. I know a head coach or a coach in the U.S. who would love for her to, like, come over and play for them. So... I come back from the locker room after the game pretty upset, but when I get there and hear the news, I'm definitely, like, happy and 
obviously I wanted to go, but my mom was kind of like fearful because I was her only daughter and it required me to leave Canada and go to the U.S. and live with people that I didn't know. So she was super fearful and initially her answer was no. And then for six months straight, I was like begging her to go. <laughs> and she finally gave in. And then after that, um, I packed up my bags, went to Cleveland. The school I went to was called Regina High. They were pretty uh, dominant in basketball. It was all girls school. That was the first time I ever been to a school. It was just all girls. So went there, played well my first year. And then after that year, uh, they didn't have enough funds to stay open. So the school ended up closing down. And um, I was like forced to choose between going back home or like finding another school to go to. So I kind of like did my research and I was like calling everybody I knew. And then I happened to talk to a friend who knew a guy who actually lived in Cleveland and he had taken care of him when he came over from Canada and played basketball. So he's like, if you talk to this man, he's a really good guy. I think he'll take you in. And then I talked to him. He obviously um, got empathy for my story and stuff like that. And he decided to uh, take me in. But he also had a couple of connections in the high school area. So um, he called one of his friends up and he knew the head coach for Oak Hill Academy. So that year, uh, he looked at my stats. I went over, kind of did like a little tryout, and then made the team. So after that, went to Oak Hill Academy for a year. Um, it was a boarding school, so stayed there for the entire school year. The only time we got to left, leave was um, during the holidays and during times when uh, school was out. So. I went there my, that was my junior year. I went there my junior year and then uh, played really well. And then I ended up meeting Mike Brown, who happened to be, I now call him my uncle, the guy that took me in initially. His name was uh, Mike Duncan and his best friend was Mike Brown. So that year during Thanksgiving, we ended up going to their house for Thanksgiving. So I met Mike Brown and his family and we connected immediately. And he kind of knew a little bit about my situation because my uncle had told him. And then uh, I think that year he had just got fired from the Cleveland Cavaliers. So he was now taking the position as the Lakers head coach in California. So they his, his family ended up moving to California, but he asked me if I wanted to join their family and go to L.A. with them. So obviously I, I took the opportunity and was super happy to do so. So we all moved to L.A. and then... Um, that year I went to Mater Day, my senior year, and uh, we ended up winning a state championship, won Gatorade Player of the Year, also um, got elected to be on the McDonald's All-American team. So from there, uh, did all of that, then ended up committing to UCLA. What was it? Sorry, I, I just want to uh, jump in there for a minute. What was it like to... To move around so much at such an early age, just for a just for a sport, it was definitely hard. But like for me, I was very tunnel vision. I knew what I wanted. So, in like the big perspective, it didn't seem like a sacrifice. Obviously, like it hurt some of the relationships that I had developed with like teammates or like people in the in the same uh, state. So like those relationships were obviously. Um, they took a toll, it kind of like hurt those relationships. And then I kind of just got used to it. Like I was used to at that time just moving from school to school or going from place to place. So it became almost routine. So yeah, I just adjusted on the fly. During all that, what was your, your kind of goal on where you wanted your career to end up? 
definitely um, it was WNBA when I was younger. I put up a sign in my room that had Candace Parker on it. At that time, she was my favorite player. And my goal was literally, you know, go to WNBA. Well, that worked out for you. Tell me about what it was like to uh, to move to Los Angeles then. Um, it was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, obviously living with a NBA head coach is like a different lifestyle that I've never experienced before. So like being in that um, environment and like having all the luxuries that I wasn't accustomed to, was it just gave me another perspective on how like one way you live. So like I grew up pretty poor. So like the way we used to live growing up is very different from like people who have achieved like achieved like massive success or have accumulated all this money. Like their way of living is completely different than ours. And I just got like a, a glimpse of what that was. So like made me see like the world that I was living in when I was younger is actually bigger and there's more out there. So he definitely opened my eyes in that way and he helped me see like, no, this is like this is the lifestyle you want it's definitely attainable he must have had some uh interesting stories to share around the dinner table <laughs> it was it was yeah i would say that i mean uh he was a great guy like mike brown he's 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 a really great guy like i still talk to him to this day like he's super cool he would bring me to like all the lakers games and i'd be able to like meet the players after so like just experience all that was pretty dope and how did that kind of impact your basketball career, being so close to that level of success? Um, I I think it did have an impact in the way that, like, I appreciated what I had growing up and, like, to see, like, okay, when you really go after your dreams, when you dedicate yourself to the game, like, it can bring you all of these luxuries. So it kind of gave me more motivation to keep pushing. But... um. It also gave me an opportunity to really develop my skill as a basketball player because he all, he would um, help me and bring in trainers that would help me. So I already had the work ethic. I already wanted to like really be good. And he allowed me to do that by giving me more resources to really challenge myself and to like improve my game. So it definitely had a big, a big impact on who I was and like how I was as a basketball player. Now you mentioned earlier that you were uh named to the McDonald's All-American team in high school. I believe if uh, if the internet is telling me the truth, that you were actually the first Canadian woman, woman to get that honor. Well, what does that mean for you? Yeah, you definitely, that's correct. <laughs> and it was, um, it was amazing. I mean, like, like I said, it kind of just all happened. It wasn't my goal to make it, being a McDonald's All-American. It was honestly just the WNBA, but to like have that honor and to be elected definitely gave me some encouragement to keep working hard to um, be consistent in my workouts and to keep like pushing and you ended up uh going to university at ucla uh a little bit warmer weather than uh most parts of canada uh, <laughs> exactly <laughs> what led to to that decision how did that come about um it was literally like a last minute decision so uh i think the day of we're uh, so there's a lot of athletes who that day were going to announce where they're going to school so like girls from the soccer team volleyball team men's basketball team women's basketball team everyone who was going to make a commitment that morning um had to come in and they had the gym set up and like obviously they did the whole announcement that you see nowadays on instagram where guys like pull out the hat and they kind of announce that they're going to the school so 
So I literally didn't know where I was going until like I was sitting at the table and I was forced to make a decision. So I think like 10 or 20 minutes before I was supposed to go out, I was in the locker room, our basketball locker room, and I had my mindset on to go to Miami. Um, I really like UCLA, but Miami was my choice. And then um, I don't know what happened in like in the spur of the moment when I was going to make a decision. That's when I committed to go to UCLA, and it just ended up being that way. It was kind of just like intuition. Wow. And yeah, that's how I decided. What's going through your head then, as like you're you're about to make that decision? Do you remember what what you were you were thinking? Um, I was thinking about how I felt because I did I did take my five official visits, so I did go to Miami, I did go to UCLA, and like obviously all all of the visits were super entertaining and fun, and I felt like I was part of a family. But like I deep down I knew like. Miami is a great place to go to, and I probably wanted to go there because it was super hot. When I went there, it was fun. There was always something to do. It was a pretty big city, but I knew, like, my goal was to get to the WNBA, and at the time, UCLA had a more challenging academic system, and they actually were a really great basketball school, so they had the challenge of both. So I knew I can go to Miami and, like, have a great time, but I didn't think I would be challenged the way I wanted to as a basketball player. So I ended up going to UCLA because I felt like I had a better opportunity to really excel my game there. What did you uh, take while you were at UCLA? So there I studied sociology. So naturally, like, I'm very, like, introverted. I'm very observant. So I was kind of, like, drawn to sociology because it's more like the study of people in social groups. I always find that super fascinating how people's behaviors change depending on the environment they're in or the people that they're surrounded with. And it's kind of, like, natural to me to observe people, not in a weird, like, staring mm-hmm. way, but, like, have, like, read the body language, read all the things that they aren't saying. It's kind of, like, it comes natural to me more. But sociology was something that really fascinated me. How did that, did that carry over at all onto the basketball court? Yeah, I think the way I played was super instinctive and, like, intuitive. So, like, I would... I would uh, notice about my game, like, when I was thinking the most, I actually played the worst because I wasn't in the moment and I wasn't able to use my instincts, which is something that I really use as a basketball player to kind of just play. And, like, when I did think and it was more, like, intellectual and stuff like that, it took away from my ability to just play intuitively, which I'm pretty good at naturally. So I kind of saw how it had an effect on my game as well. Now, you spent uh, the full four years at UCLA. What was uh, that experience like? What really stands out to you from your time there? Um, I would have to say, like, the whole journey. I mean, I came in my first year. They were rebuilding, so I had an opportunity to come in and play right away and make a, make a big impact. I also had an opportunity to play with, I think, four girls on my team were actually WNBA like draft picks, not draft picks, or they were like, I think three of them actually went to the WNBA, and then one of them was a prospect in the WNBA, so like, I came into like a veteran team that had really good talent, and that wasn't something I was accustomed to in high school, I was accustomed to being the go-to, so having to make that adjustment actually helped me develop my game more, like more sides of my game that I usually weren't, I, I didn't have to use, I was more considered a scorer, 
so I really developed my defensive game because that's what they needed at the time. So, like, during my first year, that was sort of the challenge. And then, obviously, like, the freedom of being your own person, having to do time management where you're having to focus on your studies, but then you also have your number one priority, which is basketball. So, like, having to juggle the two was pretty hard because it was something – it was high school basically on steroids because – all of that is kind of, like, up to you. You have a little bit of help, but it's kind of, like, personal responsibility. So I, I became really disciplined in just the time management, understanding how to um, divide my time to work out and then study and then go to study hall and get all these assignments done. So, like, my first year was kind of just, like, a learning curve. So I did what I could, and then whatever I needed to do, I kind of just really try to master it. And then my second year was different because... All those girls had left, so now I had an opportunity to really be the go-to, which I'm more comfortable in. So once I got that opportunity, it felt like home and it was really cool. And then my third year, it was different because we had the number one recruiting class. We had about, I think we had four McDonald's All-Americans that committed to UCLA. So that year, um, obviously, our team was good the year, as good the year before, but we knew we had a lot of talent coming in. So it was also an adjustment having to play and give up some of my shots to some of the freshmen and people who are coming in to make a contribution to the team. So, like, I would say, like, all four years was different. Nothing was ever just steady. So I would say, like, yeah, just being adaptable and being able to really understand what the team needed, it helped me really develop my game some ways that just helped me be a better player. Now you you graduate in 2016, and obviously you're a you're a high caliber player, uh, and uh, you get drafted to the WNBA. Tell me a bit about what that whole process is like. Uh, what happens after the season ends? So That's college um, season that is. Yeah, so the season ends, but during that time I was like going back and forth with Team Canada because I think the year before or the year after I graduated that's when the Olympics was so um I had already like had my mind going to the Olympics I knew I had potential to like get drafted but I wasn't very sure so I wasn't really focused on the draft so when school ended I was still working out and like flying in from Canada and then flying out of LA to go to Canada to train with the Canadian team because we were preparing for the Olympics and then uh so I was super focused on that and then um people who actually didn't play on the national team they got to have their rest but I just kept training and then for the WNBA I was actually sitting in my dorm room I just had Kim come home from a a workout and then I was just chilling I knew the draft was on that night but I was too nervous to watch watch so I actually opted not to watch it and I was just like I guess I'll just watch this show or something my favorite show and then all of a sudden like I look at my phone, I have, like, 20 messages and people are, like, congratulating me on the fact that I got drafted. And then a few moments later, we had a media guy who called me because he wanted to do an article on on how I got drafted. And that's kind of how it all happened that day. But definitely I was, like, too nervous to watch, so I wasn't really, like, watching it. And then what, what happens from there? So from there, um, during that time I was in summer school, so I had one class left to that I needed to um, finish in order to graduate. But also um, the WNBA is now like a business. So 
I had to choose between finishing that class or going to the to the WNBA team that drafted me, or else I would have lost an opportunity to go to WNBA. And it was kind of like a no-brainer. I knew I wanted to go to WNBA, so I wasn't going to give up on that opportunity. So right when I got drafted, like probably a couple days later, I flew out to Phoenix, and we had training camp, and I had the day before I left, I had talked to my professor about me leaving, and he um, he agreed to let me do all of my assignments online. So I went out there, and I was still in school. So through that process, it's like, you get drafted, but I think only the top 10 are guaranteed a spot on the team, on teams, and the, last, the people after that, you're on the team, but you still have to try out. So I basically had to go in and, like, take a spot. So we go into training camp for a week, and... They show you the plays and all that stuff, and then we have uh, exhibition games. They pretty much know who they're going to have on the team, but they have one or two spots that they leave open for somebody who coming in the trout to potentially fill that spot. And I ended up filling the spot. I went in and then made the team, and then the season starts, so that's how it goes. Now, you only had a, a, a short stint with uh, the Phoenix team. What was that like for you? Um, it gave me new perspective at more than anything. Like, I didn't understand how much of a business it was. Like, how, um, I guess it was just completely different from college, where it's it's pretty much like a family. You don't have the pressure of having to perform every night. It's not like your livelihood. So it's like you don't have all the added pressure that comes with being in a business so like when I went in I knew like okay I had to work my butt off but like the times that I did get an opportunity I knew I had to be perfect or else it would be it would mean me leaving the team or not being on the team and then once that happened and how it happened I kind of like realized like like that it is a business and like if you're not going to come in and contribute right away or if they don't like how you're playing it's not like college where you stay there for four years. It's like, no, we look for the next person because it's money that they're losing. It's money that um, that they're investing in you. So with that added aspect, it's like we understand that you have feelings and emotions and this is your livelihood. But at the end of the day, it's a business. So like that lack of like, I guess not, not empathy, but like the lack of regard for the fact that you're human being first was like the biggest thing that jumped out to me was that a, a tough adjustment not really getting the the chance uh to prove yourself as much as you would have wanted yeah but it's kind of understandable i knew like i guess from that from that moment i understood like okay i get it there's some people who it's just politics they have people that they really like and that they have a good connection with and they know that probably knew like what their career was with another team or they came from a more prestigious school so they have that opportunity to kind of have the the leeway to make mistakes and then there's some people who come in on a short leash and it's like you have to have perfection in order to really make the team so it's part of life I mean everything has politics and stuff like that but it was like I kind of understood that I didn't take it personal. Now, you had a, a great career with the Canadian national team. Tell me about your, your first experience playing for Canada. How did you end up on the team? Uh, I was playing – I started playing in the cadet, on the cadet team. So 
what led to that was um, I played Team Quebec, and then we did really well. We went, we did really well in provincials, where I think it's like uh, our nationals is called, where um, we came in second. We lost to Ontario, and Ontario is known for like winning it every year. They're pretty good, and that's what like kind of started my career as a Team Canada player. After that, I got invited to try out for the cadet team and then made the team. So I played for the cadet team for like two years. And then the junior team I made as well. I played there for a year. And then after that, when I was at UCLA, I got invited to go to the senior women's team. My first year actually got cut. And then I went back, they re-invited me. And then my second year I made it. And then that's how I kind of just got my uh, place on the Canadian now, uh, you've got two gold medals to your name from uh, your national team experience. Let's talk a bit about the Pan Am Games, which uh, for me personally at least was, a, I think, a pretty huge moment in Canadian basketball. W- what was that tournament like for you, getting to play not only on a, on a high level but also in Canada? Um, it was amazing. I think that was the first time my mom ever saw me play with the Canadian team so it was in Toronto that year and then my family lived in Montreal so they made the travel from Montreal to Toronto so all my brothers came my nieces and nephews and then my mom and my uncle and then that was the first time that they all saw me play live with Team Canada so it was an amazing opportunity I kind of had like a little fan group they had uh, made a poster with my name on it and my number so definitely gave me extra motivation to to win and to do well in that moment. Tell me about that team. What was special about about that roster for that tournament? I think we just we just clicked. I don't know what made us click, but we we had players that played their roles and then we had players that knew what the role was and didn't and it didn't matter. So it didn't matter if they got ten minutes or it didn't matter if they got zero minutes like Everybody was really just trying to do their best to contribute to like the success of the team, and when people have like that selflessness and that and that ability to really put the team in front of themselves, that's what allowed us to really be a successful team. Now, uh, to take me back to that gold medal game, you're playing against the USA. Uh, it's a sold out arena. Lots of uh, Canadians waving flags and uh, cheering you on. What's going through your mind? Because you're still playing the USA. It's not like you're. Uh, it's not like it's going to be an easy game, even with the crowd support. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, in that moment, I knew we were prepared and I knew we had a shot because they were the US. They're always great, but we knew that they had flaws. This team wasn't the most prepared or the best team they had ever sent to a game. They kind of. I felt like they kind of. They kind of looked us off and sent whoever because they felt like, okay, doesn't matter who we sent, we're, we're good enough to win. doesn't matter who we send. And, like, I guess I took it personal. I don't know how everybody else said it. I took it personally. Like, it kind of just showed that they had no respect for the fact that we're playing in, a, in our home country and that we actually been doing really well in the recent years. So I didn't think they took it as serious as we did. And for that fact, I mean, I think it propelled us to really go into that game with a chip on our shoulder and be able to beat them, which is something that is not, it doesn't happen often. Nobody actually really beats the U.S., so 
in that moment when we did beat them and at the end we did win the gold medal it was like no like we're good like we're a team that people should be on the lookout for and to to really respect because we have that ability to really be great now i feel like in a game like that you can really get the the momentum from you know starting out strong sticking with them at the start and then building off that but for you guys, you actually ended up going down double digits in that first quarter. What, did did that get discouraging at all, or were you able to uh, slough it off pretty quickly? Um, no, because we knew they were still good, and we knew that they would come out like strong. It just gave us more of a an edge to really keep pushing, because we knew that a lot of people came out, and a lot of people just sacrificed their time to come see us play, so... When we went into the locker room, I, I believe we kind of just came with more energy, more motivation, because we knew that's what it would take to beat them. So I think that really propelled us in the end to beat them because we did have the fire after halftime to be like, we're at home, like, we can beat them. And it gave us that belief, so that's what helped us um, win the game. Now, normally when you're playing for the national team, you either the you, there's not that many fans there because maybe it's, a, it's two teams that – aren't the host country or, or maybe uh, it's a hostile environment because you're playing the host host country. Uh, what was the environment like there with that incredible support, obviously a, a sold-out crowd? It was amazing. I remember just like, I don't know what. I'm usually like super chill before games and like I'm very neutral, but like that game was super different. I just felt like, I don't know where the energy came from. Like, I'm usually just, like, you know, pretty mellow, chill. And, like, I came out like a different person. I think the whole – everybody did because we all had family at the game and we all were pretty excited to be playing at home. So, like, obviously the crowd and us having family there gave us that energy needed, that extra energy. So, yeah, it was just a different environment, like, to have the crowd on your team, to, to understand, like, it didn't matter – if we were down, like, they were there to cheer us on. It also gave us that um, the extra motivation we needed to push through. Did you uh, – what part of it was, was more exciting, the fact that you won gold or that you beat the USA? I would say the fact that we won gold. I think it didn't even matter who it was. Obviously, like, it's a double – it's a double win for us because we beat the USA and then we won gold. But for me, it was that gold medal because it just showed that the the training camps that we would go to before the tournament and all the time we put in actually like paid off in the end. What kind of impact do you think winning that gold and having such an exciting tournament had on, on basketball in Canada going forward? I think for us, for the women specifically, it really showed the world that, like, we're actually up and coming. And I think that's what kind of ignited us to really be, like, top five in the world is the fact that we won gold and we understood, like, no, like, in the past we didn't have as much success, but, like, we're a new team, we're a new, we're a new generation, and that we're going to kind of, like, change history. We're going to make people understand that Canada is a top country when it comes to basketball. And uh, do you think that that's something people are recognizing a little bit more now, the fact that Canada is a, is a player on the world stage? No, I definitely do think um, that helps. And 
people are understanding that we are, like, even though, like, there's a lot of attention on the men's side and they do their thing, that the women are as equally as good and if not better, and that um, they're actually putting in the work to really be world-class. Well, I think it's it's very safe to say better, seeing as uh, you've qualified for the Olympics, and obviously you were a part of that tournament. What was it like going to the Olympic Games? Um, I think the build-up was super like intoxicating for me, at least, because I remember just like us having our team meetings, and then... Lisa would have all the vets who had attended a Olympic event before to really describe what it felt like to them. And a lot of them described it as kind of like life-changing that when you go to Olympics, it's like your life changes almost and that you're considered, and not that you're considered, but your confidence goes up because now you're in a group amongst people of the best of the best and you're considered the best of the best. And you accomplish something that a lot of people don't accomplish. So, like, that build-up for me was definitely, like, intoxicating and very energizing. And then when we got there, it was just, like, I was so grateful to be there and blessed. And um, I kind of just, from that moment when we got there, just turned it off. So I, I was happy to be there. But we had a mission and we had a goal. And once we got there, I kind of just switched it to that so I can be super locked in and do the best I can at my first Olympics. Was it life-changing for you? It was, but not in the way that people had described it. Because I, I guess I had very high expectations, and obviously being in the Olympics is an honor. To play for your country is an honor, but I don't think it changed me personally. It just made me realize that um, basketball is something I love, and it's always going to be something I love, but it just 